This morning we begin a brand new sermon series called Against All Odds. It's as if there was an illustration set up for me just last weekend. The second longest odds to win the Kentucky Derby happened last Saturday, owned by a native Oklahoman out of Edmond, Oklahoma. The horse is Rich Strike. I don't know if you got to see that particular race, but it was incredible. Matter of fact, I want you to view it. We're going to learn some lessons. There's the parable of the Kentucky Derby. You're going to see it in just a moment, all right? So watch this race. Watch the impossible take place before our very eyes. Watch this. Time now for our White Claw race replay. What do you guys see as we look back? Well, first of all, he did a fantastic job, Sonny Leon, getting from the 21 post down into the inside going into the first turn. And now this is going into the far turn. He had to move around one horse. He's in the two path right now. And he's going to move around one more horse that doesn't seem to be running very fast. And he's moving. So Sonny Leon guides in between horses. And now he really starts to accelerate and he'll move back in. As he, as he approaches the middle of the turn, watch him move back to the inside rail. That was a really big move right there. Because then the, the table is set for him to just run up the rail as the other front runners tire. At the centers, two and a half links in front there. He was further back than usual early, but he handled it beautifully. Stormed to the lead. Sandon had a dream trip along the rail for most of the race. He swung out perfectly. It was the battle between the two horses we thought were the best. And out of the clouds, a lightning strike from Rich Strike. I think all of us were focused on that battle. Here are the two terrific horses battling here down the stretch and just looking to move. Yeah, he actually had a, just a tiny bit of anxiousness there. He had to steer around Messier, yeah. who was stopping directly in his path. Horse didn't mind. Uh, Look, Jerry and I have been doing this a long time, right? 80 combined derbies for you two. We had to look up how to pronounce Sonny Leon. With right. you, with right. you. We talk to trainers all the time. I don't believe we've ever spoken to Eric Reed. It's, it's possible, but he did a fantastic job. He, he rode him like he's won three derbies already. That oh. was our White Claw race replay. How about that? Was that crazy? A horse that wasn't even supposed to be there. He wasn't even supposed to be in the Kentucky Derby. I don't know if you saw his headgear at the end of that race. It was all covered with dirt and mud. And for the majority of that race, all he saw was the hind end of other horses in front of him. That didn't uh, deter him. That didn't keep him back. Matter of fact, he was an 80 to 1 odds to win the race. Now, you got to be a pretty bad horse. If there's only 20 horses in the race and your odds are 80 to 1, that means you're really, really bad. And a trainer that had never made anything at the Kentucky Derby, a jockey that had never raced in the Derby, and a horse that wasn't even supposed to be there ends up winning the Kentucky Derby. That horse, they were hoping to get in. He was number 21 on the list. They can only run 20 horses. And at the end of that day, right before they start, they look to see if there are any scratches, and then a horse can move into that slot. At the timeline, at 8.45, they received the call that there were no scratches and they missed a slot by one spot. Ten minutes later, they would get a phone call that uh, Wayne Lucas had pulled one of his horses out of the race and they were now going to get the run, the race of their life. And a horse that shouldn't have been there, a horse that was at the very back of the pack, the majority of the race, ended up winning the race. Here's what else is fascinating. At the half-mile mark, all the way around the track, halfway around, uh, there was a horse by the name of Summer's Tomorrow. This horse ran the fastest ever 
half mile at the Kentucky Derby. It broke all records, shattered the records. He led the majority of the race and finished last. And the horse that was in last finished first. The last shall be first. In this case, the first became last. Define all odds. It's a great story. It's a warm, fuzzy story when you look at it. And it's a reminder to us that we don't have to live according to the odds maker. That no matter what's happening in our life, no matter how impossible something seems or appears, there is always the possible. Now that's a common, just everyday picture of a spiritual reality we're going to study from Scripture over the next few weeks. That our God is the God of the impossible. If you look at the definition of impossible... Uh, by definition, impossible means something that cannot be accomplished. And so I ask you the question, is there such a thing as the impossible? Well, Philippians 4.13 would speak into that. Philippians 4.13 would tell you all things are possible through Christ. And yet there are so many people that never experience God doing something special and God accomplishing what looks to be the impossible because we have settled for only pursuing that which is possible it's a sad thing so many people miss out on it because all they will pursue is that which is possible when we were little kids we weren't uh, filtered by any kind of lens there were no limitations we could put on a, a bath towel and all of a sudden we were superman and we could conquer anything uh, we dreamt of one day maybe being an astronaut or the president of the united states and we dreamt that we could change the world, and then when we get older, all of a sudden we start losing the pursuit of the impossible. Don't let the enemy rob you of God doing the supernatural and God doing something spectacular through your story. And when you stop believing that God can do all things, you miss out on what everybody else says is impossible. We come from a nation of dreamers. Those that didn't settle in the box of what is only possible. It goes all the way back into our DNA. The pilgrims who first landed on these shores. Who brought a dream of the land of the free and the brave. A, a place where we could live and we could worship freely. Not under the dictates of a government. And we could be a free people. It was a dream. People like Orville and Wilbur Wright. Who dreamed that they could fly with the birds. And all their friends thought that they needed a serious professional psychologist. That wasn't meant for man. Man was meant for the earth, the birds for the sky. And too many people believed it was impossible. We had a president who once dreamed and appeared before the whole nation and said he had a dream that one day we would place a man on the moon and everybody thought he was out of his mind. He had a dream. And of course we have Martin Luther King who had the biggest dream of all. Who dreamed that one day it didn't matter the color of your skin or what side of the tracks you lived on or where you were from or what you had or didn't have. That all of us would become one people and truly one nation under God. He had a dream and everyone said that's impossible. Well which camp are you going to live in? Are you going to live in the camp of the possible or the camp of the impossible that I can do all things through Christ even if everyone else says it's impossible? There are people today that have given up and said it's impossible for us to ever see revival in our country. Others would think that it's impossible to overcome our past. Some might say, you know, I've got this addiction and it's a family thing and it's something I'm always going to live with. It's just who I am and they believe it's impossible to have victory in that addiction. Some say that living a Christian life is impossible 
And I would tell you it is impossible for you to do it, but through Christ you can do all things. Some would say it's impossible today to make a difference in the culture in which we live. It's too far gone. It's too far out there. It wants nothing to do with truth, and we've given up. I want you to understand, it doesn't matter what the odds are, God can always do the impossible. Philippians 4.13 reminds us of that very truth. It's not that we can do it, but it's God does it through us. We can do all things through Christ. It's not that we have the strength or the resources or the magnitude, but God is our strength and our victory. Well, we read about that in the New Testament. Let me show you a picture of it in the Old Testament. Go to Judges chapter 3. Find Judges chapter 3. We're going to take a look at an example of someone who experienced what everybody else would say was impossible. The odds were against him. We're not going to talk about somebody we always talk about. Moses, for example, who has 136 chapters dedicated to his story. Or Joseph, who had 21 chapters. Or even Jesus himself, who had 89 chapters dedicated to his earthly ministry. But today's hero has only two verses that speak about his legacy. Two verses. First one is in Judges chapter 3, verse 31. After him, speaking of Ehud, after him came Shamgar, the son of Anath. How many of you have heard of Shamgar? How many of you have named your kid Shamgar? Anybody? No? No Shamgars in the audience? Who is this guy named Shamgar? Well, he was a son of Anath who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. And oh, by the way, it says he also saved Israel. <laughs> As if that was a small thing. He saves Israel, but the most important thing is this dude wiped out 600 Philistines with an ox goad. What a crazy, true story. A guy who was against the odds allowed God to do something crazy in his story. Now, how many of us are settling for only what is possible? How many of us are willing to just live a story that can be explained away? Or how many of us are willing to experience life like Shamgar? I want us to look in the life of Shamgar and see the reality of there was nothing special about this guy. He didn't come from royalty. He didn't come from the land of muscles. He didn't come from the land of brains. He didn't come from the seminary. He was just a little old farmer guy, just like a lot of us here in Oklahoma, or a lot of us who've grown up in that kind of culture, just a guy living on the land who was tired of seeing the enemy bring defeat to his people. You see, in the days of Shamgar, this was 3,000 years ago in the land of Palestine or Canaan. And in this day and age in which they lived, the people of God were under oppression and under great violence from all other surrounding nations on the east and on the west. They were surrounded by those that hated them and were constantly destroying their cities, their people, and their dreams. And there was one named Shamgar who was tired of seeing the enemy get all the victory. He was willing to take a stand when nobody else was willing to stand. He was willing to do what no one else was willing to do, even though it was against all odds. Turn to Judges chapter 5, verse 6. You see the second verse related to Shamgar, and it talks about the world in which he lived. It wasn't a pretty place. It was a dangerous place. For it says in verse 6 that it was the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, that in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and travelers went by roundabout ways. What we learn from history is this was a very dangerous time in this part of the world. 
because of all the enemies that wanted to have control of this people and this land, there was constant battles, there was constant raiding, there was constant terrorism, and nobody was safe on the streets. The highways, the byways were all deserted. People had to stay at home, had to stay where it was safe. And if they had to go anywhere, they had to go the long way around for their own protection or they could lose their life and their property. That was the day and age in which Shamgar lived. It's a lot like the life we have in America. We can't even go to the supermarket if you live in Buffalo, if you saw the story, or perhaps even in our schools. I'll never forget coming from Enid over into Oklahoma City and this was back in the 80s and going over into John Marshall High School. It was an eye-opening experience for a guy who grew up in a little old town like Enid. And I remember walking through those school doors in the 80s and seeing metal detectors in a high school. I'm like, what in the world? Now that's commonplace everywhere. We have to put police officers on our campuses because it's not safe for our own kids to go to school. What is going on in the land? Well, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Shamgar was up against an enemy that sought, sought to wipe out everything that everyone else had, and he was tired of watching the enemy win. I pray that today God would stir within our hearts that same holy passion, that we would be tired of watching the enemy get all the victories, that we would be tired of living defeated lives, and instead we would step up and let God do what is perceived to be the impossible. How does that happen? What does that look like? Well, let's go back to Judges chapter 3 again in verse 31. In one verse, we can learn a lot about where we go from here. Here was Shamgar, according to verse 31, and he was outnumbered. The odds against him, way worse than 80 to 1. What was impossible in the Kentucky Derby became possible. Well, even more so for Shamgar, it was 600 to 1 odds that he was facing. One guy against 600 Philistines. No one thought it could be done, and no one was willing to approach what was perceived to be impossible except this one guy named Shamgar. You see, the reason the others missed it is because they lived in the land of excuses. Shamgar was growing in his faith, was walking by faith like we've been studying in these past months. And as a result, he, in his faith, surrendered to the God of the possible. The impossible was no longer existing. Too many people make excuses, and it's easy to do. It's easy to look at the odds and say we're outnumbered. It's easy to look at the odds and say the math doesn't add up. Reality tells us it's impossible. Well, you can live in the land of reality or you can live in the land of supernatural reality. You can be boxed in by what you perceive to be possible or you can let God loose and let God get the victory in your story. Three things. Three things we learn from Shamgar of how to experience impossible victory against all odds. Number one, you got to just get involved right where you are. Wherever God has placed you, whatever it is, wherever you might be, God can use you this very day, this very moment. So many times we allow those excuses to miss out on what God wants to do in our life today. We either get blinded by the past or we get blinded by what we hope will be the future and we miss out on God living in our story today. Shamgar was just a simple farmer. The ox goad is a clue. We'll talk more about that in a moment. 
He had no formal education. He didn't come from Alexandria or Damascus or Nineveh. He didn't have any military background or training that he might have picked up from Babylon or Assyria. But he simply made himself available for God to use as a vessel. He could have said, I don't have the training, I don't have the background. He could have said, Lord, I want to be used by you, but I better go prepare for the future victory. I need to go to school, or I need to enlist in the military. I need some wisdom, I need some experience. I need to mature more, I need to get older. All of us can make those excuses and miss out on what God wants to do today. Others might say, well, I don't have enough resources. I'm not the boss. I can't do anything in this company. I, I'm just a student going to school. I'm just a young person. Well, I'm glad Stephen didn't use that ex- excuse that we read about in the book of Acts. The very first martyr, the very first one that would use that witness, and I believe God blessed his story to change a guy named Saul of Tarsus into the Apostle Paul. He didn't use his age as an excuse. He didn't say, well, once I become an elder in the tribe, once I become more experienced and a better preacher. No, he just told God's story through his story. And God used a teenager like Stephen. So easy to live for some day or another day and miss out on what God wants to do in this very day. So it's time that we step into reality. It's time we step in to where we are and make a difference in the land in which we live. The second point that we learn from Shamgar is you got to use what you have. Now notice what Shamgar didn't have. He didn't have an education. He didn't have true life experience as a warrior. He didn't have the right weapons. I mean, I get it. If the guy has a machine gun or heat-seeking missiles, I can get behind a guy like Shamgar. He had none of those things. You know what he had? He had an ox goad. Well, that ought to get you all kinds of excited. Anybody know what an ox goad is? An ox goad was a 10-foot stick that was perfectly crafted for the trade of a farmer. They called it an ox goad because at the end of that piece of 10-foot stick was a sharp little point that was the Holy Spirit to an ox or to a donkey. Uh, You would poke him just in the appropriate spot, thank you Jesus, and it would move and motivate God's will to be done through that critter. On the other end of the stick, there was a chiseled area that they would use to clean off the plow because often it would get mudded up or caked up and they would have to clean it so that they could do their task. This guy named Shamgar, who had nothing but an ox goad, made a difference in the world in which he lived. And we sit back and we say, God can't use somebody like me. I think you got more than an ox goad. Matter of fact, I'd ask you this question. What is it that you do have? What is it that God could use if you would surrender it to him that could make a difference in this world? A little boy woke up one day, not knowing that there was going to be a crazy, impossible situation happen. His mom sent him out that day, packed a little cute little lunch box and put a little few pieces of fish and a little bit of bread in there and sent him on his way. And that lunch would feed over 5,000 people by the end of the day. A lunch that was surrendered to the Lord. A little stick, an ox goad that was used to motivate critters. God would use in the hands of Shamgar to wipe out 600 Philistines. All because he surrendered it to the Lord and didn't make excuses. 
So before you make your excuses, before you say, well, yeah, that's a Bible story, or that was a crazy horse in a race at Kentucky, or before you explain everything else away, take some inventory. What do you have that if you surrendered it, God could use? Let me put some things on the screen, some things to think about. Number one, everyone in this room that knows the Lord has a testimony. God could use that very simple tool. Way simpler and way more profound and way more effective than an ox goat is your story that points to God's story. There are some today that think, well, my story is no big deal. I I don't have one of those dramatic stories. I didn't didn't overcome drugs and I didn't overcome this and I didn't grow up on the streets and I wasn't a hellion and I was just saved at vacation Bible school. I grew up in the church. Can I tell you that's the most powerful tool on this planet? My life was changed because of a testimony like that. You guys know my story. You know how I met Cammie in high school, and she grew up in the church. Uh, from what I understand, she wasn't all involved in drugs and all the other stuff. And she was just a good old Baptist little girl who knew that I need Jesus. And when I met her and when I saw her, she had something I didn't have. That story was more powerful than a spiritual machine gun or an ox goat. And so don't explain your story away and say, well, it's not that dramatic. It's not that big a deal. Every story that points to God's story is a powerful tool that is surrendered to God for his glory. Use your story. Break it out. Every day you have a chance to plow into the ground of some hardened heart that needs that soil to be fertilized with the seed of God's story. Use your testimony. Everyone has that. Maybe it's a talent that you have. Maybe there's a talent that you need to surrender unto the Lord and say, God, just use this. You've blessed me with this talent. God, use it in some way. For moms and dads in this room, maybe God's given you a certain talent in your career and God's given you a workplace that you can make a difference right where you are. You need to use that talent not for a paycheck but for God's glory. Maybe as students, God's given you a certain talent, whatever that might be, and you say, well, I don't have any talent. Well, there's something... There's something that God can use in your life, your story, your talents. It might be just your time, being a friend to somebody. How many people have given up on life because they had nobody who invested in their life? How many kids at school are so depressed and so burned out and hate on life and nobody is loving them and letting them see that they are a creation of a holy God? Be that friend. All it takes is some time. There's your ox goat. What about your passions or your dreams? There are a lot of ministries that go on in the life of our church now because of certain passions or life experiences that people have been through. We have a Finding Hope ministry now that the Dorses started when they first became members of our church because tragically they lost their son to a prescription overdose or a drug overdose. And, And now they have a passion to help families help anyone who's suffering with addictions or struggles. It's a powerful ministry, and it came out of that life experience. Maybe your ox goat is a relationship that you have. Somebody in your family, somebody you go to school with, somebody you work with, could be a friend, could be an enemy, could be somebody you don't even appreciate and they don't appreciate you, but that's a relationship, and God's going to use that somehow. Maybe that's your ox goat. And then all of us, All of us can find time to make a difference in the world. Shamgar found time. He could have explained away and said, I need to protect my family. I need to protect my land. I need to protect mine. But Shamgar saved all of Israel. 
because he stepped into the problem and he attacked the enemy that was killing, stealing, and destroying. Don't make an excuse and say, well, I have nothing when God wants to use one of those things for his glory. I'm glad David didn't say, man, I'd love to go fight the giant, but I'm too young, I'm too small, and all I got's a little slingshot. No, David approached that giant, and he knew it wasn't the slingshot that was bringing the victory. It was his God. He said, my God is going to deliver you into my hand. My God's done it before. He defeated a lion. He defeated a bear. And he's going to take out this giant the same way. His confidence wasn't in his skill. His confidence wasn't in his slingshot. His confidence was in the God of the impossible. Where's your confidence? Is your confidence, are you more confident in the odds and the reality before you or the God who lives in you? Shamgar could have lived under excuses. But he stepped into the story, and he brought God into the reality, and what was impossible became possible. So many times we think, well, I'm just nobody. I'm just here. Other people, stories are told about other people. Let's let God in on this chapter of our story. Let's do what we can, where we are, with what we have. And when you do that, you'll never know the difference you can make. It was 1885. Anybody heard of Edward Kimball? Some might say, is that the dude that made the piano, the Kimball, the organ, or whatever? No. It was a Sunday school teacher who had a guy in his class, a young man that never paid attention, seemed disinterested, and he knew he had a hole in his heart. But Holy Spirit got on Edward one day and said, you need to go share Jesus with that young man. And he started to explain it away. Well, I can't do that today. He's at work. This guy was a shoe salesman. And you know that when they're at work, you can't talk to somebody. They're supposed to be on the clock. They're supposed to be helping their customers. He could have made excuses. But on that day, he obeyed the Holy Spirit, and he took what he had, his testimony and his time. He went down to that store. He found that young man. And interesting enough, he was on break. He had enough time to spend some time ministering to that young man, told God's story through his story. Left that day and thought, oh man, I don't know how well I did. He sure didn't seem all that interested. Don't know whether I even made a difference in his life. He would later discover that later that afternoon, that shoe salesman by the name of D.L. Moody would give his life to Christ. If you don't know who D.L. Moody is, D.L. Moody is one of the, the most powerful evangelists that we've known in our land. Matter of fact, we had a pastor here not too long ago that fills the pulpit of Moody Bible Church that was formed by D.L. Moody in Chicago. The story goes on. Obviously, D.L. Moody would do crusades all over the world. F.B. Meyer would come to know the Lord through him. F.B. Meyer is a famous Bible scholar and evangelist in his own right. A guy by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman was also saved and became an evangelist. He went on to share the, the gospel all over the world and through the YMCA, made it all the way to North Carolina to a young man named Billy Graham. The legacy and the fruit of a seed that was planted at a shoe store by a Sunday school teacher that nobody has ever met or ever known. Don't underestimate your influence. Don't underestimate the God of your salvation. Don't you dare say the odds are against me. I would say if the odds are against you, that's a prime time to step up. And that's the greatest opportunity to show off who God is 
in your story. You going to live by the odds? You're going to go for it. The owner of Rich Strike didn't think they had a chance. They just wanted to be in the race. And I'm sure as that horse broke from the pack, that horse that wasn't supposed to be there, who was trailing all the time, I'm sure he's gone, wow, well, this was a good experience, but we got to get rid of that horse. He's never going to win a race. And then to watch the impossible happen. Man, I pray that a horse doesn't get more serious about life than I do. I hope that a horse owner doesn't pursue the impossible instead of us that are owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray about it with every head bowed and every eye closed. What is it in your life that seems impossible? I remember sitting in church and I remember hearing the gospel preached. Gammy was taking me to church in those days and I remember thinking it's impossible for God to love somebody like me. There's no way. I get why he loves Cammy. I get why he loves her family. I get why he loves these other people. It's impossible for God to love somebody like me. And that was the enemy who wanted to own me that day and for the days to come. And then God showed me the truth. God showed me the way. And God showed me I could have life even though I was dead spiritually. And what seemed impossible became possible. God took the veil off my eyes and showed me his love and the gift of his grace. And on, I believe it was a Saturday night at a big crusade, I responded to the gospel. And what seemed impossible became possible through Christ. Maybe today, God brought you here or you're tuning in right now and listening to this message God made that possible so that you could experience impossible salvation. You see, it's impossible for us to be saved in our own merits, in our own righteousness. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. No matter how right we try to make it, it's always a mess. But God made it possible by sending his perfect son to die on a cross for our sin, your sin. That whosoever would repent of that sin and believe in their heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and died for them, they could be saved. Do you need to be saved today? Then let it be possible. Today is the day of salvation. You need to come forward and tell one of our staff, I need to be saved. They'll pray with you. They'll explain it even more. Just, just take that step of faith. Trust God in this moment. Maybe you've been saved, but you've been living in the land of excuses. Who would ever thought God would use an ox goad? Who ever thought God would use you or me? Yet he chooses to. But you've got to surrender it. You've got to do what you can, where you are, with what you've got. So quit waiting until you graduate from high school. Quit waiting until another day. Today, stand up and be counted. Today, live a life against all odds. Lord, I pray over this time of invitation. God, I pray, Spirit of God, you would move and shake this place, each and every heart. God, bring salvation, bring repentance, and God, may you empower us to live against the odds. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake.